Warning, the following episode contains major spoilers for a film released within the last weekend. Listener discretion is advised for those wishing to remain ignorant of the film's various plots, ending, and its characters. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Behind the Timeline, the podcast where we examine pop culture and films, television, and books across the ages. As always, we are your hosts, Lindsay and Scott. If you're interested in finding out what we've already covered or what we've got coming up in the future weeks, be sure to leave us a follow on Instagram at Go Behind the Timeline. Check us out on Twitter at Behind Timeline and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Additionally, links to our Patreon and our official website can be found in the episode descriptions if you would like to support the podcast. And now, on with the show. Um, cool. So here we are before we get started, because I promised, um, my loved ones, (laughs) I want to give a really special shout out to, uh, Julie and Rick for feeding me today. Um, and letting me hang out their house and Ricky and officer Brian (laughs) and my dad. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today and putting up with my nonsense while we were hanging out but anyway more importantly we're here for the batman yeah we are yeah i'm i'm so fucking stoked to actually talk about this movie i feel like this is one of the first movies that like we've seen in theaters besides no way home i honestly i think this is one i was like i was so fucking amped for this yeah i was excited for this too but um the person who i think was most excited for this is our guest this week um friend of the show matt is back with us to talk about the batman how's it going matt Hi. yes i'm super excited i think i honestly do like i feel like we need to get the obvious question out of of the way and i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of like flip things around because this is such a like wheelhouse for matt we're gonna i want to do a pseudo what did you think right off the bat i what did you give this right like what did you think of this matt so i was going to watch it again a second time yesterday but the day got away from me unfortunately because family whatever dumb stuff um stuff that's not important um Mm -hmm. so i honestly i loved it had i been given the opportunity i probably would have watched it again immediately after watching it but unfortunately it was like one o'clock in the morning Oh jeez. Um, I so I originally wanted to give it an 11 out of 10. I'm going to revise my vote to 9.5 out of 10. It was Oh, dropping it way down. Wow. Yeah, you are kind of dropping that. Yeah. So, I'm I'm off the high of watching the movie. The reason <laughs> being is I've had some time to mull it over. Um there are certain aspects that I feel like we could have done without that made the movie probably too long. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a long movie. I watched Zack Snyder's Justice League three times, twice in one week. Holy right shit, right dude. Now. So eight weeks, eight hours in one week committed to that movie. So I, I love a long movie. But there are certain components I felt like, uh, in retrospect, we probably could have done without that part. I understand what it 
brought to the movie, I still just think we could have probably gotten away with not needing it. But I mean, other than that, the 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 time, the length of the movie is really the only problem I had. And it was towards the end of the movie. I actually started was a little surprised, like, damn, like there's more? What else can we fit into this movie? Dude, that's exactly how I felt. I was like, this is like the Lord of the Rings Return of the King of Batman movies right now. Like, holy shit. And I wasn't mad about it. I was like, cool, give me more content. I'm in it. I'm in it. Um, but yeah, I I I fucking loved it. It was so good. It was worth the extra year of hype because of the pandemic. Uh, it lived up to the expectations we saw in the teaser two years ago. It was incredible. I I loved it. Lindsay, what did you think? I liked it. I liked it. I'm about to pull us way back, but I did like it. The right up my I have my right off the bat uh impression was that it was good. I have a lot of stuff to say once we get there, but Scott, yes or no, did you like it? And then I'm gonna take us into the take us back to the beginning here. I'm actually like I'm kinda I'm kinda with Matt at this point now. Like I have had a chance to like calm down and think about it a little bit. Um I literally like I was sitting in the theater thinking like, dude, this is this could be like my favorite Batman movie you now. Um but there and this is gonna be like a running theme and I'm we're gonna get to it in a minute here, but uh I could have done without probably twenty minutes of this movie. And it would have been it would have been immaculate. Yeah, my note was forty, and I, I'm with you. That's what took it down for me. From uh, I'm gonna end up get once we get there. I'm gonna end up giving this like an eight point seven five, I think, or something. Because yes, there's forty minutes on this that we didn't need. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that in depth. But to pull us all the way back, we are here to talk about the Batman. Um, so this is the the newest in the DCEU. DCEU's got a super exciting 2022. I do want to. I do want to correct you on that. This is not part of the DCEU. Okay, Superman will is, never show okay. up. Till, but yeah, I mean, like it hang is. On, it is the on, new DC on, movie on. or whatever. But in in DC's marketing right now, their 2022 DCEU marketing. This is the first movie on the list. Oh. So whether this has crossovers or not, DC is marketing this as the first of the DCEU movies in 2022 that are going to mm. include the Batman, Black Adam, the Flash. And the new Aquaman, Aquaman 2. So whatever that's called, the Lost Kingdom or some bullshit. But um, what is Aquaman 2 called? Anybody is that know? what it's called? Is it the Lost nah, Kingdom? I don't fucking know. I think it's <laughs> called the Lost Kingdom. Is it seriously? I <laughs> I that's hilarious. That <laughs> I, all right. Well, I pulled that out of my asshole, folks. But uh, but yeah, this is the first of the DCEU's 2022 lineup. It does not feature any crossover characters. However, it is very much being marketed as part of the DCEU. So mm-hmm. Um, we've got Robert Pattinson as the bat. This thing's directed by Matt Reeves, who Matt Reeves made what other superhero movie? Um, so he did, he worked on Cloverfield and he also did the planet of the apes movies. Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm thinking of then planet of the apes? I felt like he'd done like a bigger name superhero movie before. Um, he did his, his most notable works are, uh, let me in. Uh, he was the writer for that. He was also a writer for a uh, war of the planet of the apes. He was the director for dawn of the planet of the apes. And then his big thing was, he was the director for Cloverfield once upon a time. God, that was such a good movie. It was. It does. So not yeah, I didn't actually see those Cloverfield movies, but so that's cool. Um, 
And we've got, so like I said, Robert Pattinson is the Batman. So really, and we'll talk about him at length, but holding his own, I think, um, obviously being like the guy from Twilight, he's, he's Edward really Lighthouse Diggory. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> like he, I, I thought that he did a great job of, I mean, he just, he is a good actor and I think people he don't is. actually give him credit enough for that, which there was a whole conversation around that when he was originally cast, but I thought he did great. And then we also had Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Selena Kyle. We had Jeffrey Wright as um, Commissioner Jim Gordon, who was awesome. Colin Farrell was Oswald the Penguin Cobblepot, who has one of the best names in all, all right. of them. Um, and, and Andy Serkis as Alfred Pennyworth and he was great. So we have a very, very cool cast here of characters who like I've, and this felt like the theme for me through this movie. And we're going to talk about kind of all the characters individually here, but they've been done so many times. And these versions of them were very much in line with the Canon versions of these characters that we know, but they all kind of managed to bring something that was unique. And I felt like they all really stood on their own even though it's like the seventh iteration of Commissioner Gordon. So I was impressed with the casting. I thought that they did a great job with these guys. I I have to agree. I, I like, and I was confused by Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. Like, I love that she was Catwoman without them actually calling her Catwoman. But then they started making a bunch of alliterations to her, like being Catwoman and stuff. And it didn't, feel like it got set up properly like when she made the i've got nine lives comment i was like all we've known up to this point is that you have a lot of cats i don't get there's no like real cat persona that she portrays in the movie except it's just her mask so there is a line where she says where he calls her a cat burglar oh was there oh, okay yeah i was um... Yeah, I was pretty happy with it compared to the other ways that we've seen Selena Kyle portrayed where it's like, yeah, this was fine. This and we're going to talk about her at length. We're going to get in there. But but let's let's talk about um, some of the uh, the numbers on this before we dive into kind of our overall thoughts and primarily why we thought it was too long, because I think that's the first thing we want to dive into here. But yeah, um. But overall, opening weekend box office, 128.5 million domestic as of Sunday morning for opening weekend. Second highest domestic opening weekend of the pandemic after No Way Home. So um, DC coming in hot. They're, this is they really needed this. This is what they wanted to see. I think they, I think they really did kind of nail it. And I do think it is important that we, when we do stuff like this, we do have to differentiate between the pandemic because the stats are different now. Like we are in a different style of you know, like opening weekend and stuff. I mean, obviously things are getting back to normal for, but yeah, but for the pandemic, like this was freaking awesome. I mean, what were the numbers like before that? Like a big superhero movie before the pandemic was looking at, you know, 500 million. I mean, didn't Endgame do like a billion dollars in their opening weekend? Not in their weekend. Dude, that'd be awesome. Overall, they did a billion. It was, yeah. Opening weekend was like 500 million though, wasn't it? I think it was like 180. Oh, I thought, I mean, I don't know. I'm actually just pulling this out of my ass. So maybe I have no idea. I'm looking it up right now. I hear that. Yeah. Let us know. Uh, 300 highest opening weekend gross Endgame made $357 million in its first 13 days. It made 650 million. It is the highest grossing film of all time for those first two weeks. Damn, man. 
All right. Well, we're doing good for the pandemic. And um, another huge win for DC. It's also not only did it make money, but it is popular, which is yeah. just really they're looking for that huge deal. <laughs> that duo is like the, DC is seeking that hard. So they got 85, um, 85% on the tomato meter as of Sunday afternoon, 90% on the audience score. So DC is really stoked about this movie. This went over well. Um, this is not a DC fuck up. We can say it no. like right off the bat. They didn't <laughs> fuck it up. It's like incredible, right? It's amazing. Yeah. Like I said, man, like this totally could have been my favorite. And it honestly, like, like I said, I've kind of like calmed down to a little bit, but this definitely could be like, I, I think this actually is my favorite Batman. I, I honestly like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not ashamed to say that. I think I need to get in on rewatch to be a hundred percent sure of that. But I actually, I, I'm not sure that it's better than the dark Knight. Um, but as in terms of version, not Batman movie, but version of Batman. Agreed. Um, definitely. And we're going to get into that a lot in just a minute, but, but first, I want to go ahead and say to follow up on what we all said, I, I think the general consensus is this was a really, really good movie, but it was too long. And I'm going to be honest. I think that this would have done well as like a wicked high budget, like six or seven episode miniseries to dig into all these characters. And I get that we don't want that. And we want this in theaters. I'm like, it would have been, I would have benefited from a home viewing. It was too, um, too aesthetically like visually dark for me to sit in the fucking movie theater for three hours. It like, I, it was long. This was a long movie. I, I think this would have been better broken up or at home. I think I'll like it better on rewatch at home. What do you guys think? I I'm actually kind of like with you. I, here's the thing. Like this was one of those movies that's in my opinion, kind of suffered from too many things continuously going wrong. Like I didn't, I think the movie could have been done so much better if the seawalls hadn't been destroyed. If he had just incited these people to, to shoot Bella Real and that be like the, their mark on Gotham or whatever, I would have been totally fine with that. But the destruction of the seawall and them turning and Matt and I had a like brief conversation about this, but uh, them turning this into what is essentially from the comics called no man's land, which I'm not going to talk about the comics too much. Cause this is a movie that stands on its own, but this was influenced by Batman year one, the long Halloween and no man's land. And the, I think the reason that this was kind of trite for me was because we've already seen a Gotham that's been destroyed and stuff like that from the dark Knight rises. So I would have preferred this had just been like, and I, they could have taken so much time off of showing all the like rebuilds and stuff and like the, the national guard and stuff coming in to help them. Hmm. Matt, what do you think about this, about the destruction of Gotham being what caused it to be too long? So I actually disagree. I think that was incredibly integral to the development of Batman. Um, my issue is actually focusing so much on uh Catwoman's friend I actually got really tired of that storyline pretty pretty damn quickly mm -hmm. um I felt like a lot of it I know it was to get her into his world but at the same time I was like okay like I get it we we want to find Annika we want to do this we want to do that so I kind of got turned off of that pretty quickly and I was kind of I'm like not that I would ever want someone to die but I was like oh thank god she's dead so <laughs> let's just move on <laughs> no i get it and honestly i forgot about her a lot yeah like halfway through 
I agree. I think that she I think that unfortunately it's Catwoman that made the movie too long. And the reason that I then say make it a miniseries is that I didn't want to lose her either. Like I actually think they made the best call not to cut characters. I think the penguin also made this a little bit long, but I really liked him in the movie. I wouldn't want them to cut it. So I that's why I kind of my brain goes to miniseries where I'm like, cool, give me like a fucking Catwoman episode. She could have had like a whole hour of screen time. Yeah. You know, I would have, I, but I really like um, serialized sort of televised stories. It's just sort of my preferred way of doing things. So when I feel like something's too long in the movies and I don't want to cut anything, I'm like, put it on TV. What the fuck are we doing here? But it's, I, I also want him to have the full theater treatment, but I agree that it was Catwoman that made it too long. This was the longest Batman film, so 175 minutes. This this thing was like three hours long. And the third longest comic book movie behind the original Justice League, so the Justice League and Avengers Endgame. So mm-hmm. it was it was fucking long. Um so I think we can all agree that was that was hard on the movie i but i think i'm gonna like it a lot when i get to watch it at home because i really like the snyder cut of justice league but i want to watch that bitch at home i want to be able to pause and get you know i just it's too long in the theater for a movie that's this dark that was really the problem and i'll talk more about that when we talk about bruce but i think that was part of the problem for me that i don't think there was a single scene that wasn't at night or or in a dark room and it was just like oh my god i fucking get it but it was like putting me to sleep a little bit in the middle of this movie and that's not great i i mean and i always feel this way about like every time i see batman on screen but we only see it like one time and it's towards the end of the movie but seeing batman in the daytime is fucking weird to me you're not wrong it's weird i don't like it it's like points out how goofy he really is when was the daylight scene like at the very end putting the girl in the helicopter oh kind of that that was when uh there's like oh i guess there's two yeah yeah it's at the very end and then when he meets um celine on the roof and they agree yeah that's that's the other part yeah but that's like right at sunrise or set isn't Mm -hmm. it like the sun's on its way somewhere it's like not quite it's not quite full daytime but yeah daytime batman is like kind of a funny idea it doesn't fit the aesthetic. And then you're like, how are you the shadows? If there's no fucking shadows right now, you're just, well, Batman does not belong in the daylight. It's too goofy. Like as soon as you see him in the daylight, but like with his attitude, right? Yeah. Cause all superheroes are goofy when you really think about it. But like Batman with his attitude, when you put him in the daylight, it's like really hard <laughs> to take seriously. It's like, you need to have like a Superman, like bright and sunny to kind of pull yeah. us off. Like he flash. doesn't have enough humor. Yeah. Or the flash. He just, he doesn't have enough uh, of a funny bone, I think to be out in the middle of the day. Oh, that was another thing I wanted to point out about this. Um, this was not funny. Like there were, there, there were parts that I was like, okay, that's kind of, like the cops made it funny. Like when they're all like, dude, Jim, what about like the chain of evidence or whatever? Like he's and, wearing gloves. And he's like, he's wearing gloves. I'm like, okay, that was like funny. And I get, we're trying to make this light, but like this was, and this is probably the reason I love this so much. Um, This was a legitimate detective story and it needed that dark tone. Yeah. I, I agree. So it, it, it was very a very dark tone. It felt very Nolan to me. But I think yeah. that if you're going to stay true to Gotham, it's going to feel like that. Like they're all going to feel a little bit the same, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that 
in this movie, the lack of like, I think the reason that it felt so Nolan to me and not necessarily Snyder is because in the Snyderverse Gotham, you have Metropolis very obviously right over the bay. And we don't have that here. And that I think that the presence of Metropolis and the other superheroes in the Snyderverse makes it lighter in tone. I agree. Like having someone as goofy as the flash in the same movie, it really kind of like I could, this could not have worked. I, I feel like if they had gone the, the, the right route, which um, if people don't know, originally this was supposed to be the, if the Ben Affleck one, right? Like this was supposed to be a Ben Affleck solo Batman movie. Yeah. So this was originally Ben Affleck solo Batman movie, but um, when they brought Matt Reeves on and they gave him the pitch and they said, this is how we want to do it and things like that. Matt Reeves was like, that's cool. But if that's what you want me to do, I'm going to have to respectfully decline. And they were kind of taken aback. They're like, uh, what? And he said, so hear me out. Here's how I would do it. And he kind of explained his vision and they were really on board with it. And it, at that point it was still involving Ben in it. And when Affleck heard it, he said, you know, that's not for me. This isn't all for me. This is not what I want to do anymore. I'm not, I'm not feeling this character anymore. It's, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't resonate with me. I'm going to have to just totally back out altogether. In which case, Oh, see, I didn't even know that. That's crazy. I thought it was just like, he didn't, he had conflicts or whatever. Like he, I didn't know he just straight up did not want to do it. He was so over it. I think that Batfleck was, a really great leader of the justice league, but I would be so deeply disinterested in watching a movie about him. Like I, I kind of think this was a good pick. He made a really I good love it. <laughs> I, but I do think, um, I think that's the fact that it's not part of a connected universe on its surface. I, I, I absolutely think that this will be the Batman that they connect with everyone. There's no chance that he remains in his little pocket universe. Like they'll, no. they'll let us know that Metropolis is over the bridge, but the fact that we don't see it and the fact that we don't have the, those characters here makes it so dark in visuals and in tone, which makes it feel like Nolan, but also it's doing its own thing, which we'll talk about. But I really look forward to like a cocktail party in the next one, which which takes us into our discussion of Bruce, right? Because because of Bruce's total absence from this film, we don't have like the cocktail party scene that you normally expect or the daytime shit where it's like literally no scenes are in the daytime because there's no Bruce in this movie. So let, let's talk about this this version of Bruce Wayne for the moment and a half that he appeared in this film. So I'm going to jump on this one real quick, Matt, because I know you and I have discussed this a lot and there are comparisons to make between the Bruce Wayne, Batman combo and Spider-Man and Peter Parker. The difference is Peter Parker is still Peter Parker when he's Batman or when he's Spider-Man. He's still goofy. He's quippy. He's funny. And he's Peter in a mask. He's just Peter in a mask. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. Batman is not like that. And I think that's what sets them apart. So a lot of times when Matt and I, you know, when we've discussed this in the, in the past, it's been, was so-and-so a good Batman and was so-and-so a good Bruce Wayne? Like, I think Christian Bale was a great Batman, but I think he was a terrible Bruce Wayne. 
And I, but in the reverse, I think Ben Affleck was a terrible Batman, but I think he was an awesome Bruce Wayne. Agreed. And so like with this, the story of like how Bruce is portrayed in this movie, the number one thing we have to remember is this is Batman year two. He is in the second year of what he calls the Gotham project. So he is, he has, he does not give a shit about his persona as Bruce Wayne. And we see that when, um, uh, Alfred keeps trying to get him to talk to the board members about like the running of Wayne enterprises. I'm also going to say this real quick. Um, and then I'll let Matt jump in, but I am so tired of Wayne enterprises having financial problems in these movies. Can we just like have a functioning, prospering Wayne Enterprises? I mean, yeah, I think that it I agree. I I would love to just let it be like there's money, don't worry about it. Yeah. But the money problems and issues within Wayne Enterprises tend to be the MacGuffin that uh puts Bruce in the movie. So I agree with you and they they would need to fill that gap. Like there has to be a reason for him to show up as Bruce, which um, I'm going to let Matt jump in here on some initial thoughts. But I, I do have some thoughts of the value of Bruce as we go through this conversation. Um, So in regards to to um, Bruce versus Batman versus who versus that, um, I actually have the exact opposite feelings of of the different Batman. Um, I think Keaton was a good blend of both good as batman good as bruce although he doesn't he doesn't look like bruce wayne that's the one no. at all because he he just looks like a middle-aged dude <laughs> <in a suit. laughs> he just looks like a wealthy guy from downtown yeah he was the weirdest pick he does not and i'm not a batman comic person and i feel like keaton's like a well i'm like what i liked i always liked clooney but that was because oh i was a, i was young though those were the ones that were coming out when i was a kid and i was like yeah. oh george clooney yeah 100 percent. that's batman like that tracked to me <laughs> he was a great bruce honestly that's how i felt about val kilmer i was like val kilmer is a fucking horrible pick now i'm not gonna even address those two because i tried to forget <laughs> yeah kilmer was a really weird batman but no come on clooney Clooney was great. Be real. Jesus. Clooney's good when he needs to be suave. When he needs to be serious. Yeah. I don't think he's that great of an actor. But. No, but I mean, it's Clooney when he needs to be like suave playboy <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Like, totally. <laughs> um, I think Bale was a better Bruce Wayne than he was a Batman. Um, and I think they touched a little bit on his detective side with in The Dark Knight. Um, oh, the ballistics test, the ballistics tests and him trying to figure out like trying to figure out facial recognition for who the Joker is like him trying to figure out all that stuff. So they they do touch a bit on it, but it's really indirect. Whereas Affleck, I think he was a good Bruce Wayne. I think he was a better Batman than anything else. Um, and then Pattinson was definitely from so far from what we've seen just a, a garbage bat a bruce wayne it was just it was just awful but i also understand what they're going for so it makes that tracks with their their end game on that <laughs> um and i think he's probably the best batman that we've seen today. i agree and that's i a think lot, so too considering how much i love ben affleck's batman mm-hmm. um now the the financial 
issues surrounding Wayne Enterprises. I get it. It makes sense to Lindsay's point. It validates why Bruce Wayne needs to be there. But um, which I think is funny because they're both the same person in, in the story, but they're really not. But the reason why is because Wayne Enterprises is only successful because of Bruce Wayne. So if Bruce Wayne is not a fleshed out character, then the company is not going to be a fleshed out company. So it struggles solely because Bruce isn't there, which is why when when we see the rise and fall of Wayne Enterprises in the Nolan trilogy, it's at its peak when he is extremely involved in doing all these different things. And then it falls apart when he goes becomes a recluse again and is just like this borderline homeless person living inside a big empty building. Now, the same goes for Ben Affleck. Wayne Enterprises is hugely, hugely successful because he is very engaged as Bruce Wayne. So it makes it tracks in my brain that it would not be quite doing so well because he's just burning through money to fund his Batman project. So, I mean, ultimately, I think Battenson was incredible as Batman. He definitely um, defied all expectations. And when he walks into a room as the Batman from the shadows, he it everything is just suddenly felt zoomed in on him, which was part of the, the direction they were going for. He has, I know they're not, but it sounds like he does. And I fucking love this. He has fucking spurs. <laughs> like Boba Fett spurs. Dude. Okay. Seriously. When he first walks in on what I'm calling the Joker gang, because that's basically what they were. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's just taking much. this. I, it was weird, right? Like the one dude had the half paint and you're, you're like, oh, okay. So when you get initiated into the game, you get like full face paint or whatever. I get, I kind of picked up on that. Yeah. Um, uh, Dude, when he walks out of the shadows and you just hear this like ching, ching, ching. And that's all you hear. And the fucking amazing score that was in this movie. Holy shit. The score in this movie was bonkers good. I was like, dude, this is Batman. This is Batman. I'm, 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 I'm watching a movie and I'm scared shitless right now. Like, yeah. And that's why I was like, okay, so we just watched all these other criminals doing like petty crime and shit, like scared to death of the bat signal. But these dudes in the subway are like, who the fuck are you? I'm like, that's weird that I don't get that part, but it just, no, I, I loved this as Batman. I think this was the absolute scariest Batman we've ever seen. Yeah, but before we get, I want to keep us. I'm gonna, I'm gonna police us and keep us on track before we get into the bat. We need to finish our conversation on Bruce because we do. Uh-huh. T- we, so I felt like the angsty teenager version of him in this was fucking hilarious. Though I want to call that out. <laughs> the like, whenever he takes the cowl off, like his hair. Oh my god, his, dude! His makeup, like he's just so like he really <laughs> feels like he feels like as far as um developing who bruce is because we're like as we've called out this is really different from the other versions of bruce he's totally disengaged from what makes bruce wayne bruce wayne which is being a playboy and a philanthropist right he did it way before iron man (laughs) like and and being involved with wayne industries is it yeah it's industries right well yeah it's like wayne tech wayne industries what's the Uh, what's the name of the fucking Um, usually it's wayne enterprises wayne enterprises thank you thank you so he's he's not engaged in all that and he just really feels like a bruce who like 
he's he's supposed to be like 30 right i think is what we're supposed to i think they mentioned he's in his like late 20s early 30s yeah they don't specifically say it but that's also kind of the point is like the best thing about batman is these stories take place at any point like he could be however old unless it's integral to the story like the dark knight returns was integral to his age he literally but we know this is year two so we can kind of extrapolate that a little bit he's been doing this for only two years he's got to be in like his late 20s maybe early 30s at this point and he feels older or younger you know he feels like he's like 22 or 23 and he's basically like been the batman since he got out of high school and he hasn't figured out who bruce is let alone balancing that with the batman right like i just don't think that he knows who he is at all he feels very young and like emotionally stunted like i don't think he's like really figured out like who he needs to be or that it's important to be Bruce Wayne. Like, I feel like right now, given the option, he's just a hundred percent going to be the bat. And I'm like, honey, you have R and D to think about. Like you do need to make money. (laughs) But, um, but I think, I do think that in the, the next movie that has Battinson in it. Cause I think we will see more. I think we're going to see him discovering who Bruce is and that he can do a lot for the city as Bruce. Like he needs to have both sides of himself. He has to be Bruce Wayne as well as Batman to really accomplish his goal. And I thought that the juxtaposition between the two scenes going into the secret club. Oh, that, that was 44 below. Yeah. That was sick as fuck. Yeah. Well, cause the first time he goes in as Batman and it's a complete disaster. Right. Like, I'm shocked that that worked out for him in any way, shape or form. Like, I can't believe up, it, too. Yeah. He just fucks both of them up. And then he's like, I'm I here. figured he'd end up dead. Like, everyone's coming <laughs> after him. Like, there's I definitely was like, you just are dead now. Like, this is not this stealthy. Is the shortest Batman movie ever. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is going on? But oh, when the he trailers goes... were entire Mr. X. He's going to fucking take a bat to the head right here. <laughs> <laughs> and die. I honestly, it was like the least stealthy or suave thing i've ever seen in my life the real adult like i have it together version of batman knows that he has bruce in his back pocket and we see it later in the movie because when he goes in to see the penguin as bruce it's not a problem he just fucking walks in and so he needs to learn how to leverage that for cash for you know getting into these clubs without getting his ass beat yeah and and for being able to help the city through the philanthropy but like being batman is a big part of i'm sorry being bruce is a big part of what makes batman successful so i think he's gonna have to figure that out going into the next movie and i i kind of thought this was an interesting setup for us to see him before he connects with that and kind of figures out who he is without batman that's fascinating we've never seen that before i think it is important too. matt makes a good point that the success or downfall of Wayne Enterprises is correlated directly to, you know, Bruce's actions. And I do think that that's what we're going to be getting in the second one. Cause well, and you just said it, but I, I did want to fill you in. Um, Robert Pattinson signed on for three movies. So it is confirmed. We are getting a new standalone Batman trilogy. That's awesome. Yep. So, yeah, I agree. I definitely think the next time we see him, it'll be a much more traditional philanthropic Bruce Wayne as he's becoming more comfortable in his his daytime suit, um, as we'll say, <laughs> um, kind of figuring that all out. I still think it's going to be comparable to this version of Batman where he's still rough around the edges and he's still figuring things out, whereas the Bat persona will be much more 
um, uh, you know, rounded out and a much more developed version of himself. Stealthier would help. That's seriously like I don't it was know. that he's pretty freaking stealthy just walking out of all the shadows. Well, yeah, until he's like bing dong, <laughs> hi, evildoer club. Like, I'd like to come in. Like he was occasionally <laughs> stealthy like that. He was just he was a little cocky, which I, I like. You know, he's he's a young bat, but he's not too young because I don't need to see another origin story. We did not see his parents die, which I fucking I did actually really appreciate that. Although very intentional. I don't <laughs> intentional. This is me kind of, I feel like I'm kind of nitpicking here, but I don't really care for, and this is another thing I noticed is like a common trope these days. Stop making Thomas Wayne a fucking bad guy or like having, having underhanded things. Well, no, I know he isn't flashpoint, but that's not this. Like in the Joker, he was a fucking douchebag. And in, in this, he had like these criminal like ties and stuff and i was like okay i get it yeah he felt bad for what he had tried to have falcone do which by the way they call him falcone in the movie and i was like that's weird um but he was like yeah he felt bad and he felt remorse and he had no idea that he was going to kill him and i'm like dude you went to like the most powerful crime boss in gotham and you didn't think he was going to kill the reporter what the fuck yeah i was just glad that he was sort of played down you know I don't mind him being in the first movie, but I know that's it's like the whole deal with fucking Batman. But so I feel a lot about the, this the way that I do about Uncle Ben. I'm like the less of it we have at this point, the better, because then we could explore new interesting things. Like for instance, Robin. Like the fact that we never saw Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Robin is, I believe, one of the greatest fuck yous of cinematic history. Like can we that's what that's why i'm glad we have a youngish bat i'm like excellent i would very much like to see robin on screen and not like a not the schumacher movies please god so in regards to just to kind of double back really quick on um thomas wayne i know we're not going to get too far in the comics but it is a comic book movie so it's going to come eventually um in the long halloween there is a flashback where this is loosely based off of where Thomas Wayne does save Carmine Falcone. So it makes sense. I actually really liked that because that's not a common thread that's pulled, but I don't like to Scott said, I don't like that. He, it, it turned into something more than it was because in the comics, Falcone does state that the Waynes and the Falcones are family basically because Thomas saved him. And I thought it was super funny that bruce in the movie said well he did it because of the hippocratic oath yeah and and i was like (laughs) i was like damn fuck you too i guess um but uh yeah i would rather see a more traditional thomas wayne like we saw in batman begins but yes i'm very glad that we didn't see them die I'm, i'm i'm good on not seeing ben parker die i'm good on martha and thomas wayne not dying again so kudos to matt reeves saying i'm not doing that yeah, mm-hmm. the biggest part of it is we know all that stuff already. And it, we saw it with Spider-Man. We knew like what was happening. They make allusions to it all the time, but we don't we know at this point. Like we've been through enough. Yeah. I think it's indicative <laughs> of this being a successful DC movie that they managed to not like completely fuck it up. Like it's Yeah. Because that would have been a fuck up, right? If I saw that pearl necklace get broken again, Martha Wayne's throat, I swear before God. I just so I think they knew like we can't 
they're, they're taking a good leaf out of the MCU's book. Um, yeah. So the bat. The we like, bat. We the like Batman. we like him as he is very very fleshed out as the bat, if not yeah, as as Bruce. But again, I think that's what makes this movie stand out. It's what makes it, even though it is tonally almost identical to a lot of the Batman movies we've seen before, mm-hmm. um, and has all characters that we've seen before. Right? There's basically nobody that's new totally in this. Maybe Falcone, but. They still managed to really fucking stand out, right? Because he is because he's a fully formed bat and a, a Bruce who has so much development to go, and it's usually the other way around. And I love that that's that's how they made this movie unique. Mm. Flip around which character needs to be developed. It's it's Bruce and not the Batman. The Batman's fucking badass. He's good to go. He's like fully baked, basically. Well, and like the other important thing about this to me versus like any of and I'm gonna say any of them because the other Batmans we've seen have been like tech based in this regards. This is the most intelligent Batman we've ever had. He picked up on the riddles right away. He noticed shit on the ground. He had honed detective skills. I, I think this was the epitome of, uh, Matt, what does race call him? Uh, the detective he just calls him the detective but like even his villains oh that's right yeah they just call him the detective um but even his villains are like dude this guy is fucking smart and like the other batmans we've had they've just been like like bruce wayne in the nolan verse was like you didn't really get that from him or he used technology to be yeah he was just a fucking ninja it was yeah he definitely felt like more of a ninja than he did anything else and you know cool he had like the stealth thing down but he did not feel smart and i have always laughed when people have said batman's the world's greatest detective because i haven't read the comics and i'm like my ass like in what possible way is that true (laughs) because he's never been never been put forward as a detective um at all and the the amount of time that he spent in this movie like working directly with the cops and examining crime scenes and like honestly it's good that it's dark again because it's hilarious that this dude dressed like a kevlar bat is just standing there doing (laughs) barry allen style csi work yeah this bulletproof bat is just working as a csi like he's just there investigating the crime scene like it's but (laughs) genuinely it was great because like he should be a detective and it's again it's it's kind of what made this movie stand out despite being so similar to other batman it's just so in line with what batman should be but it still really stood out and i think this was a big part of it and it was it was also nice that he had like the physicality to back up why he is in fact doing police work dressed as a bat like that is what this movie was about (laughs) it's detective (laughs) batman yeah what it's it's ridiculous right so it's it's good that he had the physicality to back that up because it would have been hilarious if he didn't do a lot of fighting in this he just was like dressed that way but like at the crime scene (laughs) (laughs) he's got a little a little plastic sheriff's badge on his (laughs) like he's just it's like guys that's what barry does for his day job like bruce if you want to be a cop you could be a cop like it's not that's like totally realistic you don't have to dress up like a bat to to be no. at the crime scene. Little but. side note: actually, Dick Grayson does become a cop for a long time, and he also night he uh, moonlights as Nightwing. So that's fun. Good. That makes more sense than what Bruce is doing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> just to just to tack onto that really briefly, they may not have mentioned like Metropolis and stuff, but at the end, Catwoman does mention Bloodhaven. Yeah, yeah, that was sick as fuck. So, Lindsay, you're not you're not familiar. It's a city. It's a city north of Gotham. And who who lives there? Just Nightwing. Nightwing eventually becomes the protector of of Bloodhaven. So fantastic. When he, yeah. But yeah, I just I'm thought that was a really cool. There's a lot of really cool like hidden stuff in this, but I thought that was really cool that they did talk about it. So they did world build that there is potential for like, you know, like a bigger universe and stuff, but they still kept it in like in this movie. It was super contained, but good. Like that's all, like and I did. I didn't know what happens in Bloodhaven, but I did catch that and I was like, excellent you know bring up other places that exist and cool that it wasn't metropolis but it's it's good i i would like for dc to be able to like get past a launch point the way that i feel like they have with spider-man now even though he got fucking like five movies you know but get past the point where it's like i I just want them to be able to expand the dceu in a meaningful way and not feel like they have to reboot every 30 seconds i hope that the flash can help them get there with the timelines like whatever fuckery is going to happen I think it'd be sick if the Flash movie mentioned this in some way. I think it would be sick if the Flash movie managed to like consolidate this fucking timeline and like get us in a place where it makes sense. Or or... I think that's their their goal. Yeah, like just I don't want to reboot. I'm cool with with a new Batman. I'm cool with a new Batman at a different age, but I need them to find a way that this can be within continuity because I while I enjoyed this being um really self contained and like a Batman focused thing. I would be disappointed if he didn't get to interact with the other characters. Like I do want the justice league to continue to be a thing. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't want to stuff to start over. I really hope DC can find a way to, to keep who they like and, and not who they don't. And keep well, the yeah. ball rolling. I don't want to start over. <laughs> I really don't want to start over. Yeah. So, I mean, so for me, the Batman, um, obviously we've said it already. It's, he was fucking incredible. Anytime he walked on, on screen, you immediately the room seemed to get smaller because his presence was so big. Yeah. Um, now I've listened to, to a couple of different things in regards to Matt Reeves talking about it. Now, when so the the very first scene where they're investigating the mayor's death, Pattinson actually that was I believe the first scene or one of the first few scenes they filmed with him in the suit. Now they oh, okay. he did say that. Pattinson felt extremely uncomfortable walking into that room because everyone's just staring at him because he's a fucking weirdo in a fucking back <laughs> yeah, they, they even call so, him that too. They're like fucking freak. Yeah. Also, I love yeah. that they dropped an F bomb in this. I did really like that. Yeah. So he said, let's actually block the shots that way. Let's make it so so you can see me avoiding everyone's eye contact. Because I'm trying to not look at them. I'm trying to stay engaged with the crime scene. I'm yeah. walking around. So that was very intentional by them. Which I, I felt that. cool. made it made yeah, it more that. like he is just taking in everything. And I like that he's. they didn't do... So I'm, I'm still waiting. The closest we got was um, Dark Knight Batman with the white lenses. I'm still waiting for a proper Batman with the white lenses. But... I will take the contacts. The contacts is a contacts cool, were sick. modern take on 
yeah. him being able to film everything with his eyes. And I like that he's moving slowly so he can really take in the scenes. So that was just fucking incredible. Um, and as, as a fighter, definitely. Now, I would, though, the big draw to Baffleck was how violent he was and he could take he could walk into a room of 20 people and come out the only man walking out and that's what i loved because that's what the cartoons are that's what the comics are that's what the video games are and that's exactly what we got that's what i've been wanting and so battinson being able to come in and do that and actually his fighting style is i don't know if scott notices but it's very similar to the arkham games so he uses his cloak to stun people to like confuse them he's sliding around the room and engaging multiple targets at the same time he's using their weapons against them i was like this is like watching the game in real life yeah and not only that awesome. his suit was definitely inspired by the game because it's he looks like batman from the game which is crazy it definitely had very year one or uh, uh arkham origins vibes especially the collar on his cape which I actually love now. I did too. Yeah. I thought that was a really nice. I did think it was interesting that they chose to go with a, he can't turn his head very well. Like he can't turn his head, but it was also, he still had like to turn with his shoulders at times to get a full breadth of the room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just something like Keaton has that problem really bad. Um, yeah. Keaton can't yeah. turn his head at all, actually. Um, but I, they, the, and see we didn't really get a whole conversation or very much talk about the gadgets but or like the suit or not the gadgets but like the suit itself um and i'm fine with that i'm fine not seeing the origins of the suit i love the fucking batarang in his chest and i love that we're just like oh my god he's bulletproof yeah that was awesome yeah so that but that was the other thing that kind of took me out of the movie was yeah i love the fact that he's fucking invincible but i didn't like that he could take a shotgun blast point blank the 12 gauge right to his stomach yeah Yeah. that to me like i'm a i'm a gun guy and watching i was like oh well that took me out of it really quickly so i was just like uh him just being winded and and becoming unconscious that dude his his rib cage would have been shattered into a thousand pieces there's no way he could have survived that not from the, the rounds piercing him, but just from the sheer blunt force trauma would have shattered his ribcage. Right. Well, the so like the other thing that I noticed was there's no scarring on his suit. There's no there damage to this. Oh, was there? Oh, okay. Bit. There was a little bit. But a yeah, bit. I agree. It was very there, limited. Yeah, his armor wasn't damaged at all. So and I, I, that also kind of was like, what what is this made out of? Yeah, like, holy shit. Did he go to, to MCU and steal the vibranium from over there? Um, <laughs> he just bounces it back at everybody. Well, and like I like uh, Scott, you mentioned the batarang that came off his chest. That was so awesome, and his bat sacrifice was super cool. But like, I'm with you. He was like totally unharmed by that fall. I thought that was just laying be in the water. Deal. Yeah, yeah, he was fine. It was like it was like not even. And they they had that slow mo too and i was like oh no like, he's gonna like, break his legs or something or i was like oh is this how they're gonna have him break his back and he's like no, i'm good guys we're good yeah it was he's fine was like okay he's fine but but then right after that one of my favorite 
like bat gadgets that he had was the bat flare that he pulled out of fucking nowhere. (laughs) And that shot was beautiful and it really contrasted well with all the stuff about him like coming from the shadows and it's like he's changed like what kind of hero he's going to be and I Mm. think he's learning that like it might be about more than justice. Right? Well, and you can see it too in that the kid is the first one that grabs his hand too yeah. and then bella real is the she grabs his hand too and stuff i did think it was really funny that he only helps two people out and then he's like all right i'm done all right, well and then me. he's no then he leads them because he has the flair so that he he helps two people and then they help the people behind them and it's this like chain of altruism to let every yeah. like everyone helps everyone else out and then they follow batman who's like their new hero with the flair so it was very like I actually really approved of everything in that scene. I thought that was the best part of the movie. I'm sure you guys noticed this, but the other thing that I really liked about this was there was color coordination throughout this movie. There's a lot, there's a lot of red in this movie, the flare, the fucking lighting from when he's fighting in the hallway, the, the Batmobile itself, which I'm, I know we're going to get to gadgets in a second here, but God damn it. If you ever want to introduce a fucking vehicle, introduce it like that next time. That was so cool. I mean, Holy hit on shit. it. That is the next thing on our on our notes is the Batmobile. So, like, yeah, I approved of the Batmobile. Oh my god, just the fucking startup and the fucking the amount of terror on everybody's face mm-hmm. when they were like, mm-hmm. "Dude, he's got a car." Like an insane car, and we barely get to see it. That it's was a Dodge cool Challenger. Fun fact for you guys: it's a modified Dodge Challenger. Uh, of course it is um one thing i i I wanted to kind of double back a little bit as i've been thinking about it Uh, his the relationship of batman and gotham within the greater universe of everything um there's only a handful of characters that i think that would be appropriate to play so to speak with this batman um definitely a more mature robin so like a Robin that's only maybe 10 years younger than him, I think would be Oh, good. yeah. Um, yeah, like, well, and they're of, making a Nightwing movie, right? And that kid's going to, if this Batman's in his early 30s, surely Nightwing is probably only 10 years younger than him. I So cool. I don't know if they're making a Nightwing movie. And if I thought they it was are, a show. God, I'm so excited. But Oh, is it? Um, I feel like they're do, they're trying to do something with that character. That's, I think they're, they are. They're trying to get off the ground with something. Yeah, because yeah. he's such a cool character that's never in anything. And God, I love his portrayal in Titans. It's so good. But there's, I honestly, I think Stephen Amell could come back as as Green Arrow and play perfectly fine with this version of Batman. I I agree. <laughs> I 100% yeah. agree. Perfect. And God, do I in love a, that. In a million years, that won't happen. But I would I welcome those abs back to my screen. <laughs> <laughs> That would work out just fine. He is that he, whew, yeah. Bring back Stephen Amell. That's fine. That's fine. With I me. even think Grant Gustin would be would play well with this version of Batman. But I think we could get more less supery superheroes like even Black Lightning. I think would be pushing it, but I think Black Lightning would be good. Um, I think a cyborg would work well. Um, I don't think an Aquaman would do no. well. <laughs> Can you imagine him with Jason Momoa, this Dude. version of Batman? But here's the thing. We should try and imagine that because that's the most likely scenario. The most likely thing is that we see him with um, 
Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller are the and Gal Gadot, which she's great with everybody. It's perfect. God, yeah, um, I don't know. The only way to do it is with Flashpoint. And I really hope that that's what they do. I do not want this Batman to exist outside of the rest of the continuity. I think that what they have in Shazam and Wonder Woman and hopefully the Flash and honest to God, I fucking liked Aquaman. I think that the cards that they have on the table, if they can do the right thing with Flashpoint here, I think they could bring all this together and it could be great. And Battenson can like balance out the campiness of, of like an Aquaman. You know what I mean? Like just, I think there's a way to do this. I really hope they figure it out. I do not want this to exist separate. I want them to figure out the shared universe. Can I tell you guys something like totally random because you just mentioned Aquaman. <laughs> uh the other night i was watching something on youtube and it it recommended the scene where black manta first shows up in the first aquaman movie and for some reason the line that he says when he first lands i shit you not has been stuck in my head for a week it's a line from hp lovecraft i don't know why i'm telling you this right now but you mentioned aquaman it's just i just want you guys to know that i've been suffering all week with this fucking hp lovecraft quote in my head are you gonna say what it oh, is? oh yeah sorry um it's uh, a <laughs> loathsome myths waits and dreams in the deep and decay spreads over the tottering cities of man and when you actually think about it in the movie that fucking that comment makes absolutely no sense but it just like is a dope fucking comment and like you just said aquaman so i was like oh fuck yeah like that's another dude in a black suit that said something cool so like, <laughs> i just thought it was a cold thing to say to a motherfucker before you killed him <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ anyway yeah, i'm gonna move us on to what i believe is gonna be a pretty brief conversation about the cat woman yeah. Um, I love Zoe Kravitz. I think this was the best version of Catwoman. We have seen her be done quite questionably in the past. Uh, Michelle um, Pfeiffer, Anne Hathaway. Uh, I did not like Anne Hathaway. I'm going to be honest with you guys right I now. I did not like Anne Hathaway as Catwoman. I, I thought it was cool that they incorporated her. I So, okay, here's what I like about Catwoman as a concept. Um, she's as far as movie canon as far as like the average me watching these things she's not like a batman villain but she's not part of the bat family either and she kind of feels like part of the extended universe even though she's very much part of the batman universe but she just is like it's fun when you bring her in like it was fun when nolan brought her in he's like hey i didn't know that because a lot of the stuff nolan did was like not um other than the Joker, he didn't, and and Two Face, I guess, to an extent. But it was like, I don't know. Some of those villains were like difficult to. I'm trying to think how to say this. Like they just like weren't within my canon. Like I didn't really know these guys. You know, like Bane was so different, and like they have like the Scarecrow or whatever. I was like, who? Like oh, the really that, like the that traditional that so I know, but if you're not a comic fan, if you just I know, know no, you, I know if you just know what was done in the old school movies, right? So it, I'm not saying it's bad that they didn't rehash that stuff. It was just sort of inaccessible. That's the word that I'm looking for. Catwoman felt like a really accessible character for Nolan to include, but then she was done poorly. I think that's what I was trying to get at. That's it took me a minute to get there. I actually have to agree with you, and I do kind of I I do, I do also agree that. 
she is what drove a lot of the plot forward but at the same time like i i would have we could have skipped so much stuff if they had just found annika's body 20 10 minutes after she had gone missing like 10 minutes movie wise the whole scene in 44 below or whatever even though that was cool i could have done without that whole scene that could have been 10 minutes or 15 that they took out of the movie i would have been okay I mean, that's how they introduced Penguin, and I'm okay with that part. But honestly, um, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, actually probably my favorite scene next to the introduction of the Batmobile, was when he goes back to the club as Bruce Wayne and talks to Falcone about like what his dad did. And I think I like it so much yeah. because the villain Falcone is just like, I'm not going to keep this from you. This is exactly what your dad did. Like, you want the answers? This is what happened. And I was like, dude, that was real. That was such a good, like, moment for him. Because that's when Bruce was like, holy shit. I have no idea what I've been, like, thinking this whole time. Now, for Falcone, um, so, well, I guess first for Catwoman. So, definitely um, the better version of Catwoman we've seen um, between Anne Hathaway which I don't understand the hate. Like I get it. Like I don't Santa hate her. Um, it's I think she's a victim of her own, of her of the actress being too bigger than the character. Yeah, kind of like anything that The Rock does. I'm like, oh, it's just The Rock dressed up as a guy from Jumanji. <laughs> she was just weirdly campy. You know what I mean? Like this one's outfit was much preferable. It you just know made what I mean? sense. Like, I just. She was just so, although I do want to add, I didn't know where, where to put this in, but it just popped into my brain. It's like. Even the fucking cops in Gotham were wearing black leather. Like everybody. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that in. No, it's cool because I noticed that too. But I think that's a direct reference to Batman 1989 because the Batman 1989 cops all wear leather jackets. Yeah. Um, and she's Ridiculous. obviously um, Zoe Kravitz is obviously a hugely talented actress. Um, Cameron Bicondova, who plays Selena Kyle in Gotham. Um, not the greatest version of her either. So, and then there's, of course, I forget her name from Batman 66, um, the Adam West series. Oh, she doesn't have a lot of competition in regards to live action, uh, versions of Catwoman, but obviously she just, just blew away all expectations. She, I like the, she didn't have to wear gloves to have the claws. She how I like that they somehow. were natural nails. That was cool. Well, okay, let's be clear. Those are not her natural nails, but they were also not. They weren't part of a costume. She got yeah. that done at a salon. Someone gave her that <laughs> manicure. Yes, I'm like, hang on, just to be clear, just to be clear, that's not real. Yeah, Matt and I aren't going to know about that shit. But <laughs> no, she went to a salon and got some real serious acrylics. But I do appreciate that that was what it was. Yeah, they're not like nail, like a black pleather glove with with whatever the thumbnail things on from sewing um Don't from michelle pfeiffer yeah. yeah yeah but well michelle pfeiffer was a whole other level of like what the fuck with catwoman like that was yeah. not okay but but yeah i did i also liked how her hat like the ears on her hat it kind of looked like one of the vagina hats from the women's march in 2018 <laughs> didn't it doesn't it look like she it emo so that yeah she fully like emo knitted that for herself. That was her vagina hat, but she was like, "But I'm not gonna make it pink though. I'm just gonna be black." Like, she... <laughs> what is the point of that though? 
because we see her without that almost every time she's around cops she doesn't have it on so everyone's gonna know who she fucking is well they're gonna know her face but they're not gonna know her name so that's oh, i guess that's true and they've, they've all probably seen her at some point too at the the 44 cl- or below 44 club yeah but she wore all those wigs and shit well, okay it's a wig it's not fucking you know a mask <laughs> No, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like it, it's enough. Like you're down there. There's like see, like women all over the place and stuff. You're gonna remember, like, hey, that redhead. Like, oh, you're not her. You're blonde or whatever. Like I, the dudes are high as fuck. And you know, I, I just think I didn't really understand the use of the mask so much. Well, here's what I like about all of this: is that we got a superhero movie where I don't have to wait 40 minutes to see them in their superhero costume. Yeah. I'm going to see them in their superhero uniform for like the first 20 minutes. And then they're in like jeans and a t-shirt the rest of the movie, or they're like not wearing their helmet. Or I was like, I don't like, we all know who Pattinson is. We don't need to see his face for the star power to be there. I want him in suit. Usually that's not the approach. This is why Spider-Man loses his mask in every movie, in every fight, because they want to show that star face. It's why we're never going to see the white eyes that you want. I get it, but we're not going to see that. No Targaryen's ever going to have purple eyes. Perrin's not going to have golden eyes, and we're all just going to fucking live with it. I don't know how. We're an hour in. I don't know how we took us an hour to mention the Wheel of Time, but I... <laughs> but it did. It took a whole hour, but we got I'm there. so impressed with her right now. <laughs> It's because I've gotten to talk about the Flash so much. Oh, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, we've kind of like balanced all of her fucking temples right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I, um, the, it is surprising that they showed so little of Pattinson's face, and when they showed it, it was awful. Right? He looked like he was auditioning for a backup like actor in fucking My Chemical Romance. Yeah, I no think kidding. Because I'm like wondering, like, I wonder if they didn't put his face in it because it's Robert Pattinson. And they're like, yeah, I mean, if we could just maybe hide him a little bit, that would be cool, too. Because I don't, but the the character, this version of Batman was written specifically for Robert Pattinson. Yeah, it was. was, This is the only person they've ever had in mind. And they were actually scared that he wasn't going to take it because the audition happened in the middle of him filming, filming Tenet. And he actually had to lie to christopher nolan to say yeah i've got a family emergency i can't film today when he told chris nolan that nolan actually said it's because you're gonna go audition for batman and he was like oh <laughs> <laughs> shit son of a bitch <laughs> yeah and he said that's fine so he had chris nolan's blessing before he got the role they weren't even sure if he was interested in it because one of the writers or producers for the batman when they were getting he was also there for tenant and they were talking to Pat, to uh, Pattinson about it, and he they're like, I, I'm gonna have to figure out how to casually work this in a conversation to just gauge interest. And without them approaching him, he said, "So I hear you're making a Batman movie." Yeah, he reached out to them. It was <laughs> awesome. So it was it was serendipitous, but um, it's just it's it was all so well cast. Zoe Kravitz was amazing as Catwoman. Jeffrey Wright. Oh my god! I didn't think I would like anyone as much as I liked um, Gary Oldman as Commissioner Gordon, but he was so good. I just loved everything because he was a cop, but it was also it was a 
crime noir movie. It was a superhero movie. It was a buddy cop movie. It was so many different things. And it was, it, it fills all of those roles so perfectly. I do also like that he stuck up for Batman, right? Like he was like the only thing, honestly, dude, like you were talking about like him getting shot in the stomach or whatever that took you out of it. The only thing that took me out of it was all of these cops wanted to beat the shit out of him. And Gordon somehow got the chief of police to get everyone out of that room. That would never have happened. Those cops were ready to beat the fuck out of Batman. No, his escape from the police station was pretty ridiculous. So yeah. Although I, we didn't mention it in the gadgets, and I do want to say this too. I love the way his fucking grapple gun works in this movie. It comes yeah. out of his fucking wrist gauntlet. Yeah, I thought the that gadgets was so were excellent. Sick. So good. Loved it. Every, I, I enjoyed that a lot. And um, I think we're ready to move into the next thing. Yeah, I think we did kind of hit on. Yeah. So what I think made this movie fucking work like among the other things we've said that made it unique despite also being totally in line with our expectations for batman is the riddler because having the first batman movie where we get to have the world's greatest detective and having the villain be the riddler is a fucking stroke of genius and this version of the riddler was awesome I'm going to let you guys jump in. I just, this is what did it for me. It was making this a mystery and having the Riddler be the villain with a detective Batman was a stroke of fucking genius. I 100% agree. I'm going to, Matt's going to have the most to say about this because he loved Paul Dano, but I, I 100% agree. I, first of all, this Riddler was based off, took heavy emphasis from uh the zodiac killer and you see that every time he talks every time he stands there even his design and i i think right away at the very beginning when he is just and matt and i were talking about this is actually like one of the parts i was just kind of like oh fuck (laughs) is when he's just already in the mayor's office he's just in the room already that was so fucking cool yeah, because I, I remember when I was like, oh, okay, is this guy the mayor? He's got to be the mayor. Uh, and then he just he's just there at that first jump scare and went, oh, oh, God. And I was like, all right, all right, DC, you got me. Reel me in. Reel me in. <laughs> and, and he just, he's a completely unhinged psychopath. And that's what I loved it. Because... We've seen the Riddler before. We've seen him in the 1966 Batman, uh, played by by Frank Gorshin. We saw him in Batman Forever, played by the Riddler, and then most played recently, by Jim Carrey. Or yeah, yes, Jim Carrey was playing playing the Riddler. Um, and then we saw him most recently um, in the show Gotham, where he was played by Corey Michael Smith, which I actually liked. I there was a lot of things about that show that I hated. But I actually liked him as a Riddler because he just seemed like an asshole, which I liked. Um, but he's like the elements of like the Joker and Victor Saz and Hush and the Riddler. And they just like jammed it all into one character with heavy influences from the Zodiac Killer, uh, influences from the storyline, uh, The Long Halloween. And it was just so good. If he doesn't get a supporting actor nomination i'm gonna be fucking pissed 
He's totally not going to. See, he totally isn't, I, dude. I know, and it's going to drive me insane. But you see, like, complete, full spectrum of emotions from this guy. From the whole movie. So, and especially that final scene where he's talking on whatever dark web social media platform he's talking on or twitter i don't know it was supposed Um, to be like the dark web (laughs) version of twitch yeah and he goes from like this quiet nerdy guy to this monster in the matter of minutes and it's so the character is so compelling in the worst way possible and his costume it's a little unorthodox but it's awesome and i like how he just calls himself the riddler like, I have a name. My buddy is Batman. I need to have a name. So I'm going to call myself the Riddler. Yeah, they didn't dance around that. Yeah, it's not something that we're just going to call him the killer or whatever. And then we're just, he's going to subtly be known as the Riddler. Or just call him by his, like, real name or the the mystery killer. Or, yeah, just fucking lean into it. And, yeah, it's incredible they were able to do this with a character that was last played by Jim Carrey. Like, that they could... This is a totally different version of him and it it works. It's still so it's it feels accessible to me as a non-comic fan, which I think is important for DC's overall success, right? Mm-hmm. Like so it it really feels accessible. I'm like, yeah, I totally get I get what the Riddler is and what he's about. I'm familiar enough with that. But also it was its own totally different creepy thing and it really felt like the Nolan version of the Riddler that never was. Like if yes. Nolan had done the Riddler, it would have looked a lot like this, right? He had very jokery vibes, which is why um, we could go slightly out of order here. I didn't, I wasn't stoked that Joker was in the end of this movie because I'm like, I didn't, you were the Joker here today. You were your own cool fucking awesome version of that. We don't need, no, we can take a whole break on that. That doesn't have to happen today. I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed that he was the person in the cell. I told Matt this the like the morning after I saw it. Um, I was driving to my niece's birthday party. I was talking in the car. Um, and I honestly, it should have ended with him being interviewed by someone. And the, the person interviewing him closes his file and says, we'll see you in court. And they have an owl pin on their suit, implying that they are members of the court of owls. That is the villain that they should have set up for the next movie. So I don't think that they're setting up Joker for the next movie. I think he's going to be a movie three character. I don't think he's going to be movie two, but, and I am Scott and I talked about this briefly in our conversation that morning. Um, I like that. There's already a world where Batman has already fought and beat up Joker once before and I like that he isn't the Joker yet. He's what Matt Reeves called the proto-Joker. Now, originally in the movie, there was a scene where Batman was going to be talking to who I'm assuming they would probably go along with what's done before as um, John Doe. Before, that's what they would typically call him before he becomes the Joker. But... I, I, they were, he was going to be talking to him because he was another killer that he had already caught and they were going to kind of go silence of the lamb esque and, and kind of, he was going to use the Joker to help profile him, which they also do in Titans with Scarecrow. Um, but he was supposed to look, um, very similar to the man who laughs, which is, 
uh, a silent movie from I think the 30s or 40s, which is what um or the he, how or how the man laughs I think or the man who laughs whatever. But he's supposed to look very similar to him where he's not um wearing makeup, but he's got this crazy smile with dark round black eyes. But the original version of him, he was going to have some sort of un named disease that causes him to look like he has a smile but matt reeves also said that eventually that content will be released because it's so good that they don't not want to have it out there but i i think joker is going to be an act three villain not as in terms of the movies i think act two we're going to see a different version of a diff, of a character we may have seen um but Pattinson is also, like Scott said, and this is kind of how I was hoping that would end too, but Pattinson has already put his vote in for the Court of Owls. I personally would like to, at some freaking point, see Deathstroke do stuff. And I think that would be awesome to see Deathstroke in a movie. Well, that could be how they tie it in, because Deathstroke is in the DCEU at this point, in the post credit scene for Aquaman, right? Like, that's a thing. It was the post credit so, scene for, uh, no, it wasn't Justice League, it was, uh, Bat- no, it was Justice League, you're right, sorry, I was thinking of Batman versus Justice Superman. League? It was Justice League. Oh, I, was, I thought it was, uh, yeah. yeah, all right, oh, it was in, uh, fuck, well, still, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's as valid as Martian Manhunter, yeah, I'm like, yeah, fuck. Well, but I um I have heard of the Court of Owls. That sounds like it could be cool. I I think I could be I could really be here for um a Poison Ivy or a Mr. Freeze because those are the two Batman villains from the like the old days, right? From the the wicked old days from uh, the Schumacher and uh it was Schumacher both times. No. Uh, oh, my God. The guy I hate who made the one that that had Jim Carrey in it. Joel Schumacher. No, those are the Tim Burton movies. That's what no, I'm Tim of. Burton did Batman and Batman Returns. Joel Schumacher did Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. Oh, and Batman Forever, Forever had. Uh... Batman Forever had the Riddler and Two-Face. Batman and Robin had. Uh, well, anyway, from those two sets of movies, um, the only villains that haven't been remade in the moderner movies are Freeze and Poison Ivy, because we've had the Joker, Bane, Two Face, Penguin, the Riddler, yeah. and Catwoman. Like now, after this, after this movie, um, so and I would have been stoked to see like Mister Freeze be the one who's talking to in the jail, but I'm cool as long as as long as Joker isn't coming anytime soon. I'm cool. You know, if it's act three or I wouldn't mind this being like a seven year payoff like Thanos was like, let that come back like way later. I I don't know. I just I think they need to earn that this time around. I don't really feel like the Joker in the um, the Snyderverse was earned. I I think it's because we've been hurt before. Yeah, (laughs) I, I have to agree. I honestly I'm at this point where and the. So to your two mentions, Mr. Freeze can absolutely work. The reason I don't think he will be the villain in the second one is the world is too big. The problems that were created in this one are too big. Mr. Freeze is such a single-minded villain. He only cares about saving his wife. 
He doesn't give a fuck about destroying Gotham. He doesn't give a shit about the elitist levels and like the cast system and stuff like that. The reason I don't think that they're going to include Poison Ivy is I don't think Matt Reeves wants to include superpowers. Right. That makes sense. That's fair enough. I mean, so then what's your bet? Then who do you think is the villain in the second movie? I honestly think the villain really, I think the villain could be Hush or Matt's going to hate me for this. And I'm not saying this to be funny, but I genuinely think it could be Clock King or Calendar Man. So Calendar Man would make sense because he murders people on holidays. Yeah, that's what the long well, and this was based on the long Halloween, and it was all about Calendar Man and Riddler. But so that would make sense. I think it'll be Talon because it 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 feeds into the theme we've already established in this movie, which is high state corruption. Um, yeah, Court of Owls for the uninitiated um, is uh, is a, is a high a high profile Illuminati esque group of of socialites in Gotham who who have these ancient warriors that they basically freeze and they're like zombie murder machines. They're winter soldiers. And these, yeah, exactly. That wear these, these ninja Talon owl costumes and they go out and just murder the shit out of people. And then they go back and they go back to sleep. But there is one that is the talent who is the defender of the court of owls. Who's basically like, um, more of like a mystical, not mystical, but he's more of like a ninja assassin type um, bodyguard for the Court of Owls. So it would make sense that it would be Talon and the Court of Owls. So I kind of hope that is that is it. Um, the other route, I think it could be Penguin as the big bat in the background mm. who hires Deathstroke to kill the Batman. Because at this point, Penguin has been, his his reputation has been damaged and he's been humiliated by the Batman. So it would make sense that he would hire Deathstroke to kill Batman, or we could get a different version of Deadshot. So, ooh, Deadshot would be that. no. See, I don't think they're going to do Deadshot. That we've now no because now we have Will Smith's Deadshot waiting in the wings just in case he's, and then we have fucking who was it that they had Idris Elba play? Idris Elba was Bloodsport. Yeah, so we already have two versions of this guy basically. Well, and right? then we ha- <clears throat> we had the arrow versus version of Deadshot, And then I'm pretty sure Deadshot is mentioned in Titans too. Uh, I think he might be, I don't remember, but that but none of that crosses over the way that like, well, no. And I, I think Matt Reeves is smart enough to know, like I want to do things that people either are expecting. Like, so here's the thing. Like if the second one is all about him coming into his own, as Bruce Wayne and starting to do that and like show that he wants to help Gotham and stuff. And like, he wants to help people as his father did. The story mm-hmm. could be, I want to help people. And then he becomes torn about like, I want to help Victor freeze, save his wife. But the way he's going about this is bad. Like this is a terrible fucking way to go about this, but he, he can't be the only villain at that yeah. point. Like he, so I think it, no, I, I think a more interesting second movie would be one that follows this thread with Bruce, because I think that's what we're really seeing, right? It's like this the character who's going to have development here is Bruce, not Batman. A, a little bit of Batman, for sure. Um, I think he's going to learn like what there is beyond justice, but I think it's the same lesson that 
like I think what he's learning is that he needs to be Bruce sometimes to do some of this helping in the city. And so I think it's for sure going to be about him being Bruce more and getting more into Wayne Enterprises and the philanthropy. And I think a more interesting second movie would be something that kind of went along the same lines as Spider-Man Homecoming, where there's or and I hate to say it, but Batman versus Superman, where you had like a Lex Luthor mm. who was interacting with Bruce and not necessarily have that person know that Bruce is the Batman. That could be interesting. But definitely something where he has to be Bruce and there's a threat to Bruce or somebody Bruce cares about or whatever, where he has to kind of act, do play the double thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, am I being articulate about no, this? No, I get it. Like, he has to deal with them as both people. Yeah, the way that Spider-Man did, right? The way that Peter had to with the, fa- with, uh, the fucking vulture, right? I think that that would be the best option so taking that into consideration i'm gonna drop i can't believe i did not think of this because i'm trying to think of like grounded plausible villains like we can't and i'm i can't believe we didn't say this about the gadgets but i want and everyone i've talked to i 100 believe that was venom that he injected into himself that was not adrenaline that was 100 the venom uh a proto venom serum which is the bane serum it's what bane is basically powered by yeah well it was definitely green it was not uh it was not like yeah it was definitely like a radioactive color so totally i think it was setting something up so that would be cool and like maybe we could get another bane i don't think we will and i think it's because reeves will want to set himself apart from yeah he'll want to separate himself from nolan um but which is why why the fuck are we doing the joker then i just i'm like okay but i guess i but i but maybe we're not to, like i do appreciate that they did not cast the joker i'm really glad that we're not currently having a conversation about the latest joker casting like fine if you need to reference him very directly but thank god at least we didn't see him and we didn't hear him laugh i'm kind of okay with it because of that if either of those two things had happened i would have been pissed i mean the two of them are laughing their asses off as the scene ends but yeah and i think barry keoghan is listed as unseen arkham prisoner which would be the joker yeah but that doesn't mean that he's been oh no well that's just the thing that's just the voice we don't even know if that was a real person that could have just been cgi because there's parts where you see his face and it's like why does he kind of look burnt or scarred or something we did not see enough of him for it to be a casting reveal, though. You know what I mean. Like, this wasn't, like, some big-name actor, and it's, like, a reveal at the end of the scene. Like, yeah, I'm I'm glad that we did not have to have that. Well, it, it again goes back to what we saw versus what was filmed. So there was a full scene where he was going to be visible, where you could see the scarring on his face, from which is kind of what Lindsay is talking about. And Barry, Barry Keoghan, I mean, he was in Eternals. He was in Dunkirk, so he's a good actor. Um, so I was he in Eternals. Who is this guy? Uh, he was the douchebag who created his. Own oh, character. that's who that. Well, oh, yeah. that's almost a Joker I could get down with. Yeah, actually, I kind of would be okay with that. But dude, hold on. Before I lose my thought, because and do oh my god, it actually is totally kind of fucking fitting now. Um, Selena is gone. We now do not have a love interest. We need a grounded villain. I think I feel like Matt's gonna know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, bro, what the fuck if we brought Phantasm 
So I would be on board with Phantasm, but the problem is that we don't, I guess so, I guess what it would do, and this is the same issue I have with Hush, is that we don't have a Bruce with a background. He doesn't have a childhood, in which case both Hush and Phantasm are very interwound into his family. So I don't know if that would be plausible. They would have to rework the characters altogether. Yeah, but Phantasm didn't come in until after Batman had, or after Bruce had become Batman. Like he was Batman in his infancy when he met Felicia. Yeah, that's true. You guys are. Okay. Sorry. Right. Okay. It's not, it's not comic book. It's no, but I'm just, I, for, (laughs) for the uninitiated, I'm not sure anything that you're saying tracks like who is Phantasm. It's one of the greatest fucking animated films of all uh, animated comic book films of all time. It's a movie called mask of the phantasm and it takes place in the current Batman and the past Batman. Um, and it's basically this person dressed as this ghost Darth Vader looking fucker with a hook, like a, uh, like titanium hook for a hand appears to all these crime bosses and just starts straight up murdering all of them and then disappears. And Batman has no fucking clue who it is. And eventually you find out it's this girl named Felicia who uh, her father was killed by Maroney, um, who is the other crime boss that is not mentioned or that is constantly mentioned in this movie, but never seen. So yeah, the, he's 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 the one that felt the one who's been arrested. Over. Yeah. So he's in him, prison yeah. right now. Yeah, he's in the background of this whole thing. Exactly. Okay, so she's so she's a love interest of Batman. They were engaged, I, and then the... yeah, her dad like borrowed a bunch of money from Maroni, and then he couldn't pay it back, and so the two of them had to escape to Colombia or Brazil or something like that. And then he died uh, mysteriously, but you find out later that Maroni had him killed, and then she comes back to Gotham to seek her revenge, and. Batman is becomes torn when he figures out who it is like, dude, she's doing, she's kind of doing the right thing because she's taking these criminals off the street, but she's killing them. And I think it would be fucking awesome. If that was the next thing we had to deal with was him honed in on. I don't want to be Batman anymore. I want to have a regular life. And I don't want that. I'm I'm over that storyline. We've done that with too many Spider-Men. I don't want to have, I want to have a regular life superhero. I want a superhero who wants to do both things and is fucking capable of it. And <laughs> we get a storyline. I do not want, a, like, I really liked, what I really liked about this movie is that we're getting an interesting character arc with Bruce and Batman that has nothing to do with should I be Batman or what is that balance? It's just about needing to, to be a full person as either persona that they both have like lessons to learn. Like I feel like in this Batman had to learn that it's more than justice. He had to go like, you know, help people in a different way in the end with the flare like that wasn't just getting vengeance you know what i mean like he's learning that it's about more than more than that and bruce needs to learn that it's about more than just being batman that like his legacy as a wayne matters that that like that's so much more interesting to me than what spider-man did over and over again with toby Maguire. like i i really prefer the way they're going with this and i hope that whoever the next villain is presents a challenge for bruce as well as batman 
I would like for, you know, like actually Two-Face could be a really great pick. I could actually really get behind a Two-Face, somebody who's got a public persona that Bruce might have a conflict with, but who also is a a secret bad guy. Two-Face, I would be down. The only reason that Two-Face doesn't work, first of all, his story was already done magnificently in The Dark Knight. But the problem is we would have to do that story again because he is the district attorney and Batman loves Dent. He is a, he is one of Bruce Wayne's really good friends too. So we would just be seeing Batman deal with the dilemma of, holy shit, I got to stop this guy, but he's my friend. He's in the right. He's just not in the right mind right now. And I think that this Batman, I know that that's it, that that storyline sounds a little bit like um, derivative, but this Batman would work so well. Like, I think that that I think it would be just like so much of what we liked in this movie. It's like totally rehashed, but it's just done in a way that fucking works. And I think that storyline could work. And I think that while we got the perfect origin for Two-Face, we only ever got to interact with Harvey Dent. We never really saw Two-Face. So, I mean, I don't see why there isn't a way to skip the origin story, just like they're doing with the parents' death, just like we did with Ben Parker. Why I'm sure that a clever Matt Reeves and writing staff can figure out a way to fucking get through the part that we've already seen done really well to the interesting part. Like, that would so fucking work for me. I would really like that. I want it to be Two-Face. That's my pick. My only concern is that it draws obvious parallels to Chris Nolan, and my, so did this whole my movie. concern would be, well, so yes and no. Um, and even Matt Reeves has commented on this saying that the problem with doing a Batman movie is that it's not just a one and done. It's something that's going to follow you for the rest of your career. And if anyone, anyone who comes after him, they're going to ask, well, did you talk to Matt Reeves? What did Matt Reeves think? Does Matt Reeves like it? And so the problem with it is that the fan base is so rabid that if they were to misstep on Two-Face, that would destroy the franchise. And honestly, I want something that's not so recent. I think that's why I think Talon, who's completely new, in fact, he's so new that the character isn't even 10 years old in the comics. That's why I think it would make sense with the rest of the story. Um, Mr. Freeze, his movie is almost 20 years old at this point. I think that'd be a great rehash. Um, but I just think anything outside of the Joker and it's hard to do a Batman movie without bringing on the Joker because he's, it's the, it's the inverse of Batman. It's like Luke without Vader. kind Yeah, of thing. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Spider-Man's doing it though. They managed to go this far without doing the goblin. You know, I mean, I get that they brought back Keaton's goblin, but, or sorry, not Keaton. Uh, you know who I mean? Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Defoe. Like they like they've managed to do it without his like classic everything that we do with this guy has to have this villain, you know? But the problem with Spider Man is that he has a lot of arch nemesis. However you conjugate that verb to make it the funniest. But he like the Electro, all those Spider Man villains, they're very popular common spider-man villains hey don't talk about venom like that oh my god he's the most most popular spider-man villain goddamn right he is i like the popular common batman villains i mean like i'm not saying they can't work like i'm not disagreeing with you i'm just saying like i think 
people are going to watch these and be like, okay, now, well, and you have to remember too, this has to fit in the universe. That's why I'm saying like, we, oh dude, but like we could get like Firefly or Electrocutioner or shit like that. But I, I don't think we can do stuff like Poison Ivy because I don't think this movie's set up. There are super powered people in the world kind of thing. Like we can't do Clayface. Well, I th- so I think that all depends on how they oh, wrap this in with the Economic King would be great. No, this it's it all depends on how they want to wrap this in with the rest of the DCEU. That's the thing, right? So I think I think uh, it depends like how much superhero and magic they're going to be able to have is going to depend on how much crossover they have. And I would think that it makes sense for them to stay grounded in the second movie, but maybe start tying in some of the other, maybe like the rest of the DCEU. A little bit, yeah. Well, just acknowledging it a little bit, being like, yeah, this is the thing that fucking exists, you know? Um, I, I don't know, but I think they've got a lot of, of cool doors open and I really like this version of Batman. And I think they did a great job with the Riddler and I think they did a good job with Penguin. Um, but I, I contend when it comes to um, Penguin and Falcone, I wish that we had had that mini series because God damn it. These guys made this way too fucking long, but also I'm interested in what they're doing. Um, Falcone turned out to be the rat with wings, right? Yeah, it was him. That was such a missed opportunity to me. I felt like that, that also took me out of the movie. I was like, it's a bat with wings. Like right immediately. It's, like, it's bat wings. It's a bat. It's Batman. Like that clue should have been for Batman or it shouldn't have been in the Batman movie. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like that would have been way more interesting if he had had to be like, do some introspection on that. So I was kind of like, didn't, didn't track that. I think it's funny. They thought it was a penguin. Yeah, that was like his first go-to thing, which I thought was really funny. And I'm like, okay, what? Well, and I think it would have been a lot more funny and interesting if his go-to had been to be like, Penguin, and then someone had been like, are you fucking kidding me? The answer is a bat. And he would be like, oh, shit, I have no self-awareness. Would have been a really interesting <laughs> little arc. I would have, like, that would have been better than me than like, no, it's the Falcon. I'm like, what? I, it kind of remind me of um, that meme where it goes, who's that Pokemon? It's Pikachu. Fuck! And it's something else. It goes, fuck! That's kind of what it reminded me of. <laughs> I think a lot of... See, I don't know, dude. Like, I just lost my thought. Fuck, let's move on. <laughs> We're pretty much uh, coming to... Oh. oh, you know what I want to ask you guys? Oh, go ahead, Scott. No, that was it was the other part of this note. Was what fucking end credit scene? Yeah, what the shit was that? I was A, pissed I waited in the theater for that long. It was like the Joker's type pad came up and then typed in a word and then it went off. I'm sorry, not the Joker. The Riddlers, like the question mark. Um, Oh, when he did the URL? Yeah, the little question mark type thing. Like what's it called? The cursor. Yeah. The question mark cursor. Um, And it spelled out a word and then it was gone and I assumed that you guys knew what the shit was going on so i didn't google it do we not know what's going on matt what was the word um it was the retalda puzzle so it's basically taking you to a website where you can kind of interact with more of the oh for god's sake it's that's all so it's nothing to do with the plot um i'm actually looking at it right now because i forgot to look at it I'm super prepared. What have you been doing here, dude? An hour and a half and you have no info. 
Um, I forgot to look it up. That's why. Um, so I see a bunch of texts. Corrections.arkham.gov. So I'm gonna look at that. It's look click for reward. It sounds to me like it was just them doing like a fun thing in the background for you to do after the movie. I don't think that had anything to do with the actual movie itself. So yeah, now I'm here and it's like a cipher type thing that I've just don't have the energy to care about. Um, so yeah, it just lets you uncover like extra features and stuff. I'm looking at it and it's like, it sounds like when Cloverfield made the fake website for the company that what's his face worked for. It was just a way for another way for you to interact with the movie. There's a countdown on it. They're saying maybe this is an announcement to the Batman tour. There's going to be a deleted scene. Ooh, maybe that's where they'll stop the Joker scene. Oh, this cuts to not so subtle reference to the Batman comics villain Hush over more footage of Thomas Wayne. Oh, because it, they do say like he paid him for Hush money and then Hush is really big on the page. Okay, so Hush is the next villain. Yeah. Well... That's underwhelming. I, you know, I would have really liked a post-credit scene that um, connected it to the rest of the DCEU. I do want a connected universe. I do not she want really solo does, Batman. Man. She does. I really do. I just, I think it's more interesting when that. I think the fact that we're able to tell stories like this and they fucking are congruently to this movie, like giving up on that doesn't make sense. I don't think they're giving up on it, but I think they're gonna like let some space be created between the two of them for a little bit. If Flashpoint doesn't bridge, like I would be cool with this Batman having existed separately, and then Flashpoint is like brings this Batman because obviously the original Flashpoint he's like with Thomas Wayne like the whole time, right? Um, so I think it would be cool, and we know that Keaton is going to be in the Flash movie, right? Yeah, we hear him in the voiceover. Yeah, it would be neat if this movie is able to bring. Battenson into the DCEU and that like this movie isn't supposed to exist in that but now we're Flashpoint will reset it and bring him in that would be cool like I I'm like come on Flashpoint I'm all my hopes are sitting on Flashpoint I'm like fix it you got this you can do it you have every mechanic at your disposal to fix this situation please do so unbelievable anyway I think we're about ready to give ratings on this yeah uh i think so i do just want to point out two fun facts one i really hope matt caught because you see it right before alfred gets blown up and i also the other thing i didn't really we didn't really talk about but um there is no wayne manor he's based out of wayne tower yeah i did notice that i was confused by that yeah that was weird to me it was very manner looking. It like was. All the interior shots that we got, like the one interior shot that we got of Wayne Tower looked like Wayne Manor. Like it didn't look modern at all. No, it was very gothic designed. But in Wayne Manor, this is a little Easter egg, there is a pedestal with a bust of William Shakespeare on it, which is a callback to the 1966 Adam West series, wherein he would gain access to the Batcave via flipping up William Shakespeare's head and pressing a red button that would reveal two fireman's poles that they would slide down and enter the Batcave in. That's so dumb. I thought it was funny, but yeah, it's just... I just thought that was like a really clever thing, but... Um, and the other one is, because we were talking about all of these Batman, um, on screen... We have now had 10 
total actors portray Batman. And they started with Lewis G. Wilson in 1943's Columbia series titled specifically Bat- or like just Batman. It was a 15 part mini series that uh, Wilson had signed on for. And the, the, by the second episode, critics were annihilating this thing. No one understood why Wilson had been uh, cast as this. He had a very, very dad bod. Um, he had a high pitched voice and he had a Bostonian accent. And I, everybody was just like, what in the fuck is this? And then we went all the way from that to the Batman we're at today. So it is very interesting to see how much Batman has grown in film. Now, I also have a fun fact. Now, we talked about the character earlier, the initiate to the Joker gang, as we're calling it, with the half-faced oh, yeah. um, paint. That is actually the Titans version of Tim Drake. Ooh. So he was actually in, he filmed his scenes. Guys, for I'm going to stop you right there and remind you, 99% of people don't know what you just said. <laughs> But so Tim Drake is the second Robin. Okay, third, thank you. Third Go Robin. on. Third Robin. No, right? he's not. Go he's on. the second Robin. Second the third Robin is Damien. The second one is the one that's get, that is killed by the crowbar. Jason Todd. Jason, Jason Todd. Todd is the one that's killed by the crowbar. Dame, or uh, Jesus Christ, dude, what are you doing to me right now? I I'm super lost. I'm no no. Jason Todd is Robin number two. I'm fucking crazy. Tim Drake. Tim Drake is Robin number three who eventually becomes Red Robin. Um, so he filmed um, for the Batman, I believe, first, and then because his scene was so short, and then he got the role as um, Tim Drake in Titans. That's cool. I didn't realize that. I haven't watched much of Titans, so I didn't really know that, but that's really cool that he's in that. Yeah. So that's my fun fact. Ratings. I want a Robin. <laughs> oh, my God. Just go watch I Titans. do. I just feel like I do. yeah, I should because go watch Titans. It's great. Is there a speedster in it? Um Starfire's in it. Starfire's in it. So is Wonder Girl. Um, Are they Pocket Falcon. No, Starfire's no, an alien. No. None of this is answering the question. Are there speedsters? Sounds like the answer is no. We're trying to get you to watch it without directly answering your question. Exactly. Got you. I'm like, it sounds like you're dodging me. No, but that could be. I just, I just think we deserve Robin done well uh, on film. I mean, of course, we have the the Lego Batman movie, which is like, you know, Michael Sarah. I might go watch that. I love the the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> I I like it. I just hate that that's who Dick Grayson ended up being. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was great. I thought that movie was awesome. But anyway, um, I'm giving this an 8.75. I think it might go up on rewatch. I think it was written and directed super, super well. I think it was able to be like distinct while being like what you expect, which is what is really, really hard to pull off to like not subvert a bunch of bullshit, um, you know, not be. Man of Steel, for instance, even though I really like Man of Steel, um, it's I love that movie, but this didn't try to subvert any of our expectations about Batman, and it still felt really distinct and like its own thing. But it was way too long, and I needed some better lit scenes to break up all the brooding bat. Like I'm much, very much looking forward to some cocktail parties with Bruce in the next movie. So, 
um that's where where I had it. Matt, you said you were coming down to like a from nine 11, dude. and a half from an 11. Yeah, it's a strong 11, but I'm coming down off the high. I've had some time to think about it. I'm going to still roll with a 9.5. I love what they did for the character. It was a breath of fresh air. I love what they did with the character of the city of Gotham. It was very claustrophobic. It was still very, very, um, very just grim and it had a lot of different subtle references to other trilogies like we had the bank steps um from dark knight rises we also had the um train system from the dark knight but we also had like it was just it was really well done it's it's shot like an art film but with the superhero twist and i i love it it's nine, i'm here for it 9.5 I actually have to agree with everything Matt just I before he even I even talked, I gave it a nine point five. And honestly the thing that cut it back for me was <clears throat> really small things like you know, the chief of police would never have let them leave the room or whatever. I was just like, that's weird. That kinda like really took me out of that for a split second. Um uh, but the number one thing was what Lindsay said. It just it was too long. It just it was too long. It genuinely felt like the first time I saw Return of the King. And I was like, is this over? Oh my god, there's more. Okay, now is it over? Okay, now there's more. Oh my god, Return of the King is feels its length so much less than this movie. I mean, think about like Eternals was like this long and it didn't feel like it. No, that's true. A fucking infinity war didn't feel this long and it was Endgame is longer than this and it doesn't feel like it like there's movies that are longer than this that don't hurt but keep going i'm interrupting your ratings i'm just like it didn't you can have a movie this long but this one not this one that's what i mean like the length of the movie is fine but we need shit to continually keep us interested and i did not care about annika being found in the car i didn't care about you know like them having the meeting with uh, uh you know like the whole i don't know dude there just there were things in this movie that just didn't seem to be necessary or we could have just talked about them yeah and a well-lit cocktail party i i'm looking forward to uh watching it at home because be i so think crush if that's not in the next movie. i know dude she's not even gonna see it it's an integral part of Batman movies. Like, let's be real. Like, Bruce Wayne at a cocktail party was what was missing from this. Cocktail but, party like, Batman. That's what the next one should be called. Batman, the cocktail party. That's, yeah, making up for the amount of dark scenes in this one. I think watching it at home, it'll be easier to be engaged in all the nuance. Because it was just, honestly, it was just dark and long. And, like, whoa, I was, I was getting sleepy in the middle of this thing. I think the next one will be called The Caped Crusader. Because it's the only Batman nickname we haven't used in a film title yet. It's going to be called the Batman 2 Rise of the fucking something, I promise you. It's going to be Batman 2 Rise of the something. Silver Surfer. That's, I guarantee you. It'll be Rise of, I fucking promise you. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be awful. Uh, we can hold out for Cape Crusader just the same as we can for Spectacular Spider-Man. But if that shit doesn't happen, we riot. That I agree with that one, yeah. <laughs> But Lindsay, go ahead and uh, go ahead and take us out of here, Matt. As always, you are my Batman go-to guy. You're the one I talk to about Batman villains. I love having you on here for this. Thank you so much. Thank you for enjoying it. This would have been a way different fucking episode <laughs> if we had hated um, that shit. I'm glad we didn't. I'm really glad we didn't. I'm glad DC put out a good movie. I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm behind that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah definitely. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for always having me. And uh, and thank you guys for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed yourselves, learned something about the Batman. Check us out next week. We're going back into the timeline for Back to the Future. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media. You can find the links for our sites and social medias in the episode description. If you want to support the podcast, take a look at our Patreon and check out our website for all the timeline goodies, past, present, and future. And until next time, stay nerdy.